The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. This is Squawk Box. Mixed messages over the future of the U.S. stimulus plan keep markets in check as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin resume talks in an attempt to reach a piecemeal package. President Trump says he may hold a rally this Saturday after the White House physician says he has completed his COVID treatment and is not showing any symptoms that the illness is progressing. Chinese stocks rally after the golden week holiday as the country's service sector continues its comeback, with PMI indicators rising for the fifth straight month in September. Elsewhere, crude supply concerns persist as Hurricane Delta sweeps across the Gulf of Mexico, halting platform output, whilst Norwegian oil firms prepare to enter formal talks with unions over the strike action. And a record day of cases across Europe. The World Health Organization reports almost 97,000 new infections in the region, driving the global rate to another all-time high. So, very good morning, everybody. Let's focus uh, on the headlines. Uh, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin have resumed talks over a new stimulus package as lawmakers push to reach a deal before the November elections. White House officials say they are open to a broader bill that covers a range of issues, such as jobless benefits and direct payments. But Nancy Pelosi ruled out providing direct aid to airlines without comprehensive legislation. When the president did his tweet, he said, I want the Senate to spend full time, full, fully focus on the nomination. So I'm not going to have them be doing anything on stopping the spread of the viruses is essentially what that is. The only point about negotiations is ain't going to be no standalone bill unless there's a long-term, a, a bigger bill, and it could be part of that, or it could be in addition to that. It could be in addition to that. Now, that is what I call a mask. Right, let's move on. The Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, meanwhile, downplayed hopes of a deal before the election. We've been going back and forth and back and forth, and a lot of people, including these folks in front of me, are probably going to say, what are the prospects of getting another rescue package? I think it's uncertain. But we're still talking, and hopefully there'll be a way forward soon. But I do think the proximity of the election has made this much more challenging. 
Right, US initial job list claims came in higher than expected last week. 840,000 new claimants, raising concerns that the jobs growth stateside may be slowing in the final quarter of 2020. However, the figure was still down by 9,000. Not really enough, though, uh, compared with the previous week. Uh, continuing claims, they did fall sharply, coming in at just under 11 million. That's more than a few uh, million fewer than last week. And Jeffrey, before you get on to US markets, I thought I would rip up the rundown because I know the producers really like this. Uh, and, and, and your first headline had me brimming and, and frothing at the mouth because your headline said plan from the stimulus plan, keeping markets in check. I would suggest, I know we've got a guest waiting in the week, so I won't spend too long on this one. Keeping markets in check, the transports closed at a record level last night as well. We had the Russell 2K, as you've been pointing out all week, up 5.8% on the week. You've got the um, S&P up 2.9% on the week. The markets have gone gangbusters to the upside. Keeping markets in check... I can't believe they made you read that. Uh, I think there's something interesting going on here, which looks to me like decoupling from the stimulus. And we know that President Trump is effectively humming and hawing about where we go on some of these individual uh, stimulus packages. But it seems to me that the market is refocusing on the fundamentals a little bit and taking a look at the earnings numbers at this point and taking a look at the uh, corporate M&A. And there are other reasons for people still to be engaged with the market. But overall, the big message still seems to me there is enough liquidity floating around to keep people interested in the game. And um, I thought that we were going to play some clips later from uh, the Goldman Sachs CEO. And it's interesting to hear what he had to say about bubbles appearing here and there. But I've got one for you, Steve, because I know you are a, a huge advocate, uh, perhaps, of a, a more balanced outcome for all demographics from the growth and the economic activity that we see here. And I know you would have looked at that Fed survey yesterday as I looked at that Fed survey. And with no sense of irony, the Fed came out and talked about how the richest 50 Americans represent the same value as the lowest 165 Americans in wealth terms. Now that is either, depending on your philosophy on this thing, this is either how capitalism should work and wealth inequality represents a, a meritocratic stimulus to economic activity, or it is a shocking indictment of a system that appears to be rigged in the favour of a privileged few, a few that own assets and which the Fed over the last 10 years or so has helped get richer through making money cheaper. Yeah, and you know what? This is where you and I can quite easily step back and say, haven't they all failed? Haven't two Obama terms to failed in what they promised. They promised to bring equality to the United States. Well, they I remember sitting in an Abu Dhabi hotel at the Obama inauguration, uh, and there was great hope that there would be a reinvigoration of the, the social side of America so that actually the other 95% could catch up as well. Well, it didn't happen in two Obama terms. And then we had in 2017 uh, the current president coming in and promising to, what was it? Drain the swamp. Then he put together the richest cabinet in the history of the United States as well. So this is the wonderful position that you and I can sit in and saying two Democrat terms plus one Republican term has done diddly squat for equality in America on the basis of the evidence you just gave, Jeffrey. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then the funny thing is the Fed doesn't even point the finger at itself. It just notes 
the consequences of the last 20 years in terms of um, channeling wealth towards the owners of the assets rather than the workers. But let me let me just talk about the markets for a moment, Steve, and then we'll come back and we'll pick up the conversation here. So this is how we closed out the session overnight. And um, as you can see, the, the markets, you know, largely discounting the prospects of any wide stimulus package ahead of the election now. And worth noting, because you'll read this on top of the copy of all your newsletters this morning, depending on who you subscribe to, we got a, a a one-month high on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So some of that sell-down that we saw back in uh, September has been made up by some of the stronger days that we've seen on the markets. Um, you want a, an intelligent comment about where to look potentially within these markets? CNBC Pro, of course, always delivers on this. Starboard Values' Jeff Smith talking about ag companies as a resilient sector play. Uh, Corteva is the one he mentions, and Chipmakers, ON Semiconductor. Chipmakers, again, have been another interesting story around the working-from-home phenomena, and now we're seeing a bit of M&A in that sector. But we'll come to that a little bit later on. Um, the Nasdaq Composite, as you can see, um, it's just pretty much in line with the rest of the averages here, which is interesting given uh, that we have talked a lot about the market going back to beta, back to momentum, back to growth. Should we have a flip of the wall? Now, this uh, gives you a, an interesting picture of how the markets have performed across the week. And don't forget, this is the week that we started um, fixating about how bad President Trump's illness was. We came out of last week, of course, and over the weekend talking about whether he was going to be incapacitated for some time to come. In the event, it's turned out to be a bit of a non-event for the markets. If anything, uh, we have continued to trade higher. And all those people that keep telling us that the Democrats are going to be bad for the US economy, they're going to be bad for the markets, no one's listening. Quite frankly, no one appears to be listening at this point. And it didn't even matter yesterday that when we looked at that initial claims number on the jobs, 840,000, uh, OK, 849,000 the week before, it's not showing the kind of pickup in growth momentum that many would like to have seen to justify the elevated uh, uh, multiples that we have seen for these uh, uh, various sectors as we've seen the markets recovered here. Um, and quite frankly, not a lot going on with the Fed either. Robert Kaplan suggesting that he doesn't want to see any more QE at this point. And the minutes kind of tamp down the suggestion that, that there will be more coming. Anyway, that was the week. Uh, and of course, we still have the trading session today to find out ultimately how these numbers settle. Let's talk about Lloyd Blankfein then. The former Goldman Sachs CEO says he is seeing a rise in market speculation around stocks and bonds. In an interview with CNBC, Blankfein added low rates are making money essentially free for institutional investors, which is leading to riskier bets. We have bubble elements to this and you can see them, you know, you could see some things, you know, obviously the credit market, people are lending to, you know, what historically would have been viewed as weak credits for very, very little money. Look, people are lending to the U.S. Treasury for I mean, today 80 basis points, but for a long time, 60 basis points for 10 years. 
uh, in a, uh, uh, you know, as if there would never, it never be inflation again, as if the, the dollars you're going to get back plus 60 basis points a year is going to compensate you for the risk you're taking. So they're clearly, the wash of money is clearly creating uh, bubble elements. Uh, meanwhile, Morgan Stanley's CEO, James Gorman, has urged lawmakers to pass a new stimulus package. He told CNBC the U.S. economy could face a longer recovery if a deal isn't reached. It's not going to be a, a market crisis if it doesn't happen imminently. This is something that's evolving over months. Would, would my gut be that we definitely need more fiscal stimulus? Absolutely, 100%. And I'm always a fan of once you made a decision, sooner to act better always so i would get it done now if i would you know if i control the government that'd be that would clearly be the position i would be in um is it a catastrophe if it's after the election no is it going to cause the recovery to take longer and deeper absolutely so i'd get on with it listen to cnbc's beyond the valley the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe join me arjun Karpal, and me tom chitty every week as we bring you insights into the top stories unpack the latest trends and find out where the industry is headed now available on spotify apple music and google podcasts michael pierce joins us senior u.s economist at capital economics michael good morning to you and welcome to the program just just your thoughts uh would be welcome at this point is the market now decoupling from the fears around a biden win and is it decoupling from the idea that we will get stimulus before the election takes place yeah, well, I find it very strange that the suggestions that the market's being driven by these um, start-stop stimulus talks this week. Um, the rhetoric is is still exactly the same as it has been throughout since negotiations began in July. The Democrats are holding out for a broader comprehensive deal, and the Republicans are still not willing to offer such a, such a large package. And there's still a big gulf, um, not only in the head, headline numbers, but also in the details of what they, the measures they actually want to put in place. Um, so we always thought it was quite unlikely that they'd be passing something this side of the election. I think probably what's um, been driving the markets uh, more prominently over the last week or so uh, would have been uh, the big pickup in chances of a democratic clean sweep in, in November. And I think that's got a lot of people excited that there will be a larger fiscal stimulus uh, coming at some point further down the road uh, when Democrats are able to push through their larger stimulus package um, on their own. And I think there's another element to this as well. It's not only do they favour a larger package, um, but the type of spending they favour would be more beneficial to the economy as well. Uh, so we know the sort of things they're proposing, like further aid to state and local governments and um, extending unemployment benefits. Those are the sort of things that have a higher fiscal multiplier than things such as tax cuts or extending the pay, uh, pay, Paycheck Protection Programme. Um, so you, that would not only do you get more um, dollars of stimulus, you also get more bang for your buck as well. Uh, jam tomorrow. The markets love a bit of jam tomorrow. And that's the story you're telling us, the expectations of more stimulus next year. But we also see the uh, other side of the story with the Democrats, don't we? And that's the prospect of tax hikes for the corporates and for businesses uh, that are listed. Um, why is the market happy to believe in the, uh, the carrot but not the stick? Well, I think that's a very good point. Um, I think probably people have got a bit too excited about the carrot in the first place. Um, obviously, the election result is still very uncertain. It's, it's not, uh, not a guarantee that we get a, a democratic clean sweep. 
Um, I think the other point here is that uh, if Democrats do try and pass this on their own, they're going to need to do so through budget reconciliation. And we've seen uh, most recently from the Republicans in 2017 when they were trying to pass their tax cuts through the same process and um, earlier with the Bush tax cuts in 2000. Um, it takes a long time to, to get Congress to really agree to this. And um, because they've only got one shot at that per year, I think they're going to want to put a lot of legislation together with that. Um, so I would just caution on some of the optimism around the timing of a fiscal deal. Um, and the other point to that, of course, is that the other measures that are going to be included in that bill, we know that their priorities are for raising, uh, paying for some of this uh, stimulus by raising uh, taxes, particularly on, the, on higher earners, um, but also um, reversing some of the uh, Trump corporate tax cuts. So I think that's a, that's a really good point for the for the market. You know, while a, a big fiscal stimulus could be positive for the economy, it may not be so positive for uh, for the listed firms in the stock market. Positive for the economy, more money flowing around, more stimulus agreed. If there's a clean sweep, Michael. What about the price we have to pay? We all know there's a price to pay one day, even if it's been uh, delayed for decades. And that is the price in the dollar and that is the price in the T-bond markets eventually as well. Is someone going to wake up one day and say, do you know how much money we've borrowed? Do you know how much stimulus we've put in? Do you know how much we've raised this stock market on extra debt as well? Is the dollar and Treasury is going to be the full guy for this? Well, I don't think that's something we have to worry about um, anytime soon. Um, but certainly, I think that would be the focus in the markets, particularly that a very large stimulus would um, would be pushing up inflation and therefore that the Fed would need to respond. Um, I think that points at least a, a few years away. There's still plenty of deflationary forces out there. Um, and in fact, we've been relatively upbeat on the prospects for another wave of um, technological uh, advancement with AI, robotics, uh, likely to you know, create a new wave of downward pressure on, on prices. Um, so the, the, there are risks in the other direction as well that, that we can just um, keep going on uh, borrowing and that the, the kind of um, supply side of the economy will, will save us to some extent. Um, but certainly, I think that the focus on the near term is, is obviously that huge shortfall in demand. So I think the Fed would be very willing to accommodate a fiscal package. In fact, you can, you can hear that from Chair Powell himself. He's um, screaming out basically from the rooftops, asking for more fiscal stimulus from, uh, from lawmakers. He, he's made it very clear that uh, policymakers at the Fed are, are very close to their, to their practical limits. Now, now, you went one stage ahead of me about worrying about inflation, and I would love to see a, a tiny bit of inflation come back in. I think most people would see as well. It would be a vindication of some of these policies. But, but in terms of the two factors I mentioned, and I noticed you jumped to the third very quickly, inflation. I'm talking about the market turning against the dollar and turning against the Treasury market. Why is that such an outlandish uh, thematic when we know these markets can move on a dime? Well, they can move on the dime, but I think the Fed is going to be uh, there to step in. I, I don't think the Fed will be very comfortable watching the longer term Treasury yields rise. I think it would interpret that as a very unwelcome tightening in financial conditions. Um, so I think if we did see 10 year yield continue to drift up, um, you know, perhaps up to, to 1%, I think the Fed would, uh, would be willing to step in um, first by trying to talk that down. But it could also um, increase its asset purchases or at least um, uh, skew its current asset purchases towards the longer end of the curve um, if its forward guidance wasn't doing the job in, in keeping longer term yields in check. But the forward guidance is controversial, Michael. We saw in those minutes from September that there was a, a debate within the, uh, the Fed board as to whether it is appropriate to have that guidance 
at this point. And it, it suggested actually that there, there is no um, restriction on the Fed acting on the basis of the data as we would normally expect it to. And then I see this morning Robert Kaplan, uh, the Dallas Fed uh, governor, saying, I don't think there's any more need for QE at this point. Is there now a prospect that the Fed is going to start backing away from the idea of more stimulus and ultimately we might be talking about tapering again next year? I don't think that's likely to be the case. Um, I think you're right. We have seen this more, um, the, the markets um, um, moving away from the, the Fed's guidance since, uh, since the Jackson Hole speech. Uh, the real yields have, have kind of drifted up again. Um, so there's some signs that the Fed has been a slightly more hawkish and conservative in its implementation of uh, average inflation targeting than, than we and, and most others in the markets were anticipating. Um, but I don't think that really changes the reality on the ground for them. I mean, if you look at their forecasts, um, those are actually based on uh, they're, they're assuming some further fiscal stimulus. And you can see from the dot plot that they're not expecting uh, rates to be uh, rising anytime soon, at least out for the next three years. Um, and even then, their inflation forecasts are, are still relatively low. So I think it, it would all hinge on uh, what happens to those unemployment and inflation forecasts. I think I'm just skeptical that we can get to a point where the unemployment rate is back uh, back below 4% and inflation is uh, um, up around 2.3, heading higher. Uh, that, that's going to be the, the position where the, the Fed will start thinking about thinking uh, about raising interest rates. I think that point is still a long way off. Michael, excellent speaking to you. I have to say, I'm just taking a step back. A couple of years ago, would we ever have dreamt of saying, oh, the Fed would be uncomfortable if they see the 10-year yield getting to near 1%? Quite extraordinary world we live in. Michael Pierce, have a lovely weekend. Thank you for joining us. Senior US economist at Capital Economics. Right, let us move on. The president, he says he's ready to return to the campaign trail in his first TV interview since his COVID diagnosis. Uh, he said he plans to hold a rally on Saturday. This after the White House physician said he had completed his course of therapy and will return to his duties over the weekend. Well, NBC's Alice Barr has the latest. And then they cut you off whenever they want. In his first televised interview since testing positive for COVID-19, President Trump today refusing to participate in a virtual debate against Joe Biden next week. The debate commission announced today it was shifting to that format in the wake of the president's COVID diagnosis. I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Who knows? Now, the two campaigns debating over the debate schedule, with the Trump team proposing a one-week pause, pushing the final matchup to the end of the month. Biden's campaign saying the president's erratic behavior does not allow him to rewrite the calendar. In a freewheeling interview with Fox Business News, President Trump also downplaying his illness that required three nights in the hospital, two rounds of supplemental oxygen, and a combination of experimental drugs. I didn't even have to go in, frankly. I think it would have gone away by itself, you know. The president speculating on where he caught it, naming a Rose Garden ceremony for his Supreme Court nominee, but also seeming to blame an event with families of fallen soldiers. They come within an inch of my face sometimes. They want to hug me and they want to kiss me. Then they do. And frankly, I'm not telling them to back up. Finally, the president weighing in on last night's debate between Vice President Mike Pence and Senator Kamala Harris, referring to the Democratic rival as a communist and a monster. It's despicable. It's so beneath the office of the presidency. 
It's obvious he cannot. He has great difficulty dealing with strong women. Biden and Harris campaigning together in Arizona today as President Trump prepares for his own campaign events, for now forced to keep them online. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. Well, there's quite a lot of news today, isn't there? But we thought we'd just take a moment here to uh, flag up a few events that will be happening early next week, which you can obviously make a note of in your desk diary or wherever you keep your appointments. On Monday, we get the confirmation hearings uh, for President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, Tuesday marks the unofficial start of the earnings season. We will get JP Morgan and Citigroup giving a sense of how the U.S. big banks have fared over the quarter. Uh, Goldman Sachs and Bank of America follow on Wednesday, of course. And let me just have a trot around the wall to show you how we will complete the rest of the week. European and U.K. leaders meet on Thursday as they near a deadline to reach a Brexit trade deal. The 15th is the date that Boris Johnson, the U.K. Prime Minister, has said he wants to see a deal done. Otherwise, the U.K walks away we will see but that's coming up on Thursday also on Thursday the IMF and the World Bank hold their annual meeting I will moderate a debate with managing director Kristalina Gorgieva and ECB president Christine Lagarde alongside others so quite a lot going on next week Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.